folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today to apply Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, you know, we just have been negligent on our draft simming. So I thought we should just do an all draft simming episode here because also we're kind of in this holding pattern. Like Deshaun Watson needs to be traded for stuff to happen, for implications to be had. After Deshaun Watson gets moved, we'll have a much better idea of who could be traded, where everyone could go, what the draft is going to look like. But for now, we wait. So we draft Sim. Are you down? I'm down, and I actually am very, very proud of my draft Sim today. I didn't think I was going to be. When I did my first pick, I thought, okay, Maybe this doesn't pan out the way that I want it to, but I am honestly, I'm, I'm freaking thrilled. Oh wow, okay. Uh, you have had some great draft sims in the past. There was one very memorable draft sim where you got. Oh, I know Orla- what you're talking about. Orlando Brown in the third, I think, is the one mm-hmm. that I'm referencing. And it was D- Deshaun Deshaun Hand in the fifth. I mean, the, that was 2019. That was a good draft sim. The famous draft sim. I did get uh, Brian O'Neill in a draft sim. I think last year I took Jeff Gladney. So a lot of times these turn out, but we usually need to know kind of where free agency falls. So here was my plan, that we do one draft sim that's just, we don't know anything yet, and here's how we think it might play out, and we'll just draft the best players on the board, and then we'll try a couple more with scenarios. We'll just, like, if they do this, sure. then we'll draft sim with that in mind. So let's uh, yeah. let's start right off with the, okay, whatever, let's just find out what happens draft sim. I got to a very interesting spot in the first round where I could draft an offensive lineman. There were two good offensive linemen on the board. Uh, there was uh, Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech and Rashad, uh, well, uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. And those were the best two players, Patrick Sertain too. But also, I've, I've become interested, you tell me if you are as well, in Trayvon Mooring, the safety out of TCU. He seems to have a lot of the same things that we were talking about with Antoine Winfield Jr. last year, and the Vikings have an opening at safety next to Harrison Smith. So I decided to do it and go with a safety in the first round. Tell me if that is bananas. No, I don't think it is because this is a position that they haven't. I mean, typically you don't draft first round safeties. Um, I mean, at least not at 14. I mean, 
the fact is, like, the Vikings had a chance to do that with Winfield. He was available to them last year. They didn't, and he he went to Tampa Bay there at the very end. So I think it's a smart play because that's a position that they just typically don't address until, like, the fifth or sixth round, and that really hasn't panned out for them. You need to start thinking, too, that – you know, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with Anthony Harris. Uh, he didn't have a season that's going to go make allow him to break the bank somewhere else. Do the Vikings offer him, a, you know, a new contract at a very reduced price? Maybe, but he still had a decent enough season that he could probably go somewhere else. So to me, I don't even factor that in. Like Anthony Harris, I'm factoring in. This is Harrison Smith last year under contract. I do believe he'll get an extension. I believe that he has more left in the tank, certainly, and can play beyond the 2021 season. But you need to start thinking about that spot, considering your cornerbacks are still going to be a work in progress. And Mm -hmm. fortunately, this is a draft where there's a lot of cornerbacks, so that's a day three need for me. Um, So, But drafting a safety in the first round, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Especially so in, if you're going like best best player available, he was gone for me at twelve. Um, that's what I was thinking. San Francisco took him, so I think it's and I kind of did BPA too. So, so uh, just my situation here: Quiddy Pay and Christian Barmore went right before Trayvon Mooring, which I think speaks to Christian Barmore's stock rising, and he might yeah. actually not be there for the Vikings, which initially we thought this is like the perfect guy. Uh, I, I still like the idea of taking an offensive lineman here. They need it for sure, but um, safety is such a spot that is sort of a now and later position, like you mentioned with Harrison Smith, that I decided you just need more talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and if Anthony Harris is not coming back, which I, I don't think that he will be, then this is maybe the direction that you have to go. But I really was thinking best player available. So set me the scene for your first round pick. So Christian Barmore, that name you mentioned, he was available to me in my draft sim. Um, And I was thinking about it. I obviously have seen just like you kind of how quickly he is. He's risen as one of those names for defensive linemen of, you know, top 15 pick. He actually didn't go until 25 to Jacksonville. Oh, wow. um, in, you know, this, I think they have LA's pick here in this mock draft that I did on PFF. So he fell all the way to there. Um, but for me, I walked in thinking, all right, this is going to be the time that I draft an offensive lineman early. Well, everybody that I wanted was off the board, and I didn't want to reach. Christian Derisaw was gone at nine to the Denver Broncos. Uh, one pick before me at 14 was Rashawn Slater, who I think would be a tremendous pick mm-hmm. for the Vikings if they could land him there. The next offensive lineman – that was drafted. I mean, I, I'm looking, and it's it's a long ways down. There, there were only two. Uh, Wyatt Davis, the guard um, from Ohio State, was was taken at 34 in the second round. There were only two offensive linemen off the board for me in this mock draft, which is not terribly surprising. I think the opt outs, um, you know, affect some of that. Excuse me. There's three. There's three. I obviously miss Panay Sewell. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. He, yeah. He, but he's, he was never even in my mind uh, going to be available to the Vikings at 14. So I think that kind of goes to show you the greater issue of opt-outs, maybe at least just the way that this board fell of, of guys who didn't play uh, and how that affected their stock. But yeah, so that was my mind set going into it that I'm like, all right, Devonte Smith is available to me at 14. Mm. You talk about the need for a number three receiver. I think it is incredibly important that they get another receiver, whether it's a veteran, but we've seen what they've done with veteran receivers in the free agent cycle, usually from like the 75% off clearance rack that's like, you know, winter clothes in the middle of August. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> those don't really work out all that well, but, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner. He was there for me at 14. That's what I went with. I think that, yes, we are looking at an offense that's going to look vastly similar to what it was last year under Gary Kubiak, now with Clint Kubiak taking over. But you cannot tell me that you have another playmaker like that, a Heisman Trophy winning quarter uh, wide receiver who, you know, is very, very good and very dynamic and probably has a lot of similarities that you see that you'll see his rookie year that Justin Jefferson did, you cannot pass that up if that's available to you over reaching for a guard or an interior defensive lineman. 
I think this is also a now and later type of thing where, you know, Adam Thielen is expensive yep. and getting into his thirties. And with, if it was any other player, we would be talking about that. Like Adam Thielen has had um, good seasons recently. So it's not like he looks like he's about to fall off the edge of a cliff, but he is expensive. He is getting into his thirties. And the other point is just doing the lean into the Kirk of giving cousins everything he possibly can get for somebody who can really impact the team in year one. If you draft a defensive end, even if it's Quiddy Pay and the guy is an absolute freak athletically or it's Gregory Russo, the scouting report on all of these guys seems to be, yeah, it's a project. It might be like Rashawn uh, Gray, the guy for uh, the Packers, or was it Gary? Rashawn Gary, who, um, Gary. yeah, who is like a, a really athletic guy, but he needed a lot of development. And we just started to see him in year, what, three, uh, start mm-hmm. to make an impact. And I think where the Vikings stand in this world is that they want somebody in that first round who's going to make an impact right away. So in that case, you would have already tried to fill the other spots, the spot in the offensive line. Maybe at that point you are, you know, extending Riley reef, you're signing a defensive end, you're signing a defensive tackle. And then you feel like, yes, we can take a luxury pick, but it's also a luxury pick that could get 50 catches in the first year and make a huge difference. So, I mean, you know, I'm on team wide receiver three if someone like Devontae Smith is there. So, I, yeah, I think that's a great pick, and you have every reason to love it. Uh, second round, we just go right by, unfortunately. And <laughs> on to the third round. I mean, if they don't trade back into the second, I'd be very surprised. But, you know, we'll, I mean, we'll, 14 is, is also prime trade back yes. spot. Yes. And maybe recoup a, a your second round pick there. Uh, they need one because you have three picks and stop inside the top 92 right now. But if you're thinking quarterback at any point, it needs, it has to be on day one or day two. Yeah. In my opinion. Yes. Yes. You can find a good high quality fourth round quarterback, but if we're thinking, you know, again, this is what the whole thing, the need for stuff to happen in free agency so we can stop, speculating and wondering if Cousins is going to be here or not and what the plan's going to be. Um, like, you have to draft a quarterback high. But that, to me, is a second round. If, you, if, you, you know, if you're Rick Spielman and you're looking at 14 as prime trade background, you could get a second round pick and use that on a Kyle Trask or a Jamie Newman. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe Newman lasts until the third. Usually, the thing about the NFL is they – have guys go bust all the time, but they usually mostly know who the guys are who can really play. So if someone gets into the third or fourth, I mean, there's only two quarterbacks who passed the third round. I could think of, I mean, maybe, maybe three. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. Aside from that, I mean, you almost have to go back to Tom Brady to find anybody. Tony Romo was undrafted. I mean, it's like real serious outliers if you're talking about down the board. So if they want to do it, maybe the second round is where they have to get back into. And then there's draft picks that they can use. And we will definitely do draft sims where we trade down and try to play around with that back in the second. Um, For this one, just going with the straight draft picks, I went with a defensive end, Rashad Weaver, out of uh, Pittsburgh for this one because Creed Humphrey, the offensive lineman, went right before, and so did James Hudson, who's another offensive lineman. Uh, Levi Anzawerke went just before that. That's the interior defensive lineman from Washington. He looks pretty good. And so I was kind of left with, well, do I take a quarterback, Davis Mills? Do I take the guy out of uh, Stanford who didn't play this year? Do I take Ben Cleveland, who's an offensive lineman? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, they really need edge rushers. I mean, so if I've already taken safety and I've passed up on an edge rusher, I think I have to take another one here. Even if in this scenario, the Vikings had still signed someone, you need somebody to be across from Daniil Hunter if Daniil Hunter is even going to be here. So I took Rashad Weaver. No, I like it. I think edge rusher is a huge, you know, huge need because think about what they're going to do in free agency at that position. You could probably go out there and get um, a Stephen Weatherly. I mean, he was just released by the Panthers. He mm-hmm. was somebody that they wanted to keep last year, but finances just didn't allow it. He was too far down the priority list. Um, you can probably solve some of that position flexibility that they had from, from Weatherly and obviously Afadio Denebo by having somebody be on the other side of Hunter and strictly um, maybe even working with a DJ Wanham there. 
you know, rotate at that other end spot. So you can then like free up Odenabo. If let's say they got a, you know, a, a cheaper defensive tackle that you could improve your pass rush that way. Um, I like it. I think that I went defensive line too um, with this pick. I have the need, at least in my mind, to bolster the interior first. Um, Davion Nixon, who is an interior lineman uh, from Iowa, who's kind of had some, I mean, his production was shaky. Some of the reviews that I was reading about him are like, okay, if you, if you watch the um, you know Northwestern game, he was great. If you watch his Minnesota game, you know, he could be a, potentially a fourth round pick. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of different, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different intel on this guy and at least kind of like what he was good at last year. But, you know, it's going to, you know, to me, this is a, this is a priority for them that they're going to have to draft an interior defensive lineman early on, whether, you know, that that's also prime, um, prime spot at 14 if they did it that way but I do like this pick um I think he is you know a high ceiling player and if you can get that need solved sooner rather than later then you're not waiting till the sixth round to try to find somebody with very little production I mean this guy had played Iowa um it has a nice body of work to work with yeah I, I think when you get into the third you're looking at sort of boom or bust for that position and uh, they have to kind of do that right like they 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 haven't done that recently. Maybe you would think of Armand Watts as that because he was sort of a one-year wonder, but a sixth-round pick. To me, once you get past the fourth, it's just darts at the dartboard and, you know, put a blindfold on and hope that somebody works out like Stefan Diggs, but it rarely does. So you, I don't even really consider those, like every one of them is a lottery ticket. It's boom or bust. Um, but in the top three rounds, if someone has a high upside on the interior, they have to do that because I think they've taken guys on the defensive line that some of them do have high upsides and some of them are like Jaleel Johnson, where you say, well, what, what can he really become? Like he doesn't have the physical skill to really become a great player. Maybe he's a role player and he really didn't even become that. So I, I don't mind that um, going boomer bust and interior. Keep banging that drum, Courtney. Until they do it, you Doing keep banging that year time. after year. You keep draft simming interior defensive linemen. <laughs> they keep not drafting them. It's amazing. Uh, for the other third round pick, uh, I was at the point where I was kind of just who's the best player on the board? Do they fit in any way? And I'm actually really intrigued by one of the guys that I took, um, but it was this was a tough choice. So I took Trey Brown, who is a cornerback out of Oklahoma, who has this real playmaker element to him, like interceptions, punt returns. He's sort of, he's an exciting cornerback. And my thought is, look, I know you have two young corners, but you also have uncertainty on those two young corners, and you need to just keep stacking them because coverage yes. is king. And the, the only thing is Cameron Sample was on the board too. And I thought about him because of, I, I think the senior bowl was where he was standing out. The guy from Tulane that he got a lot of talk about the senior bowl practices. And he's another guy that's a bigger edge rusher, 6'3", 280. So he can do that, you know, run stuffing element that Zimmer wants. Also was really good in terms of his PFF grades. He was the fifth highest. So I thought about Cameron Sample there. I still went with the playmaking corner and Trey Brown. So all three of my picks are defense. And I think Mike Zimmer would be fist pumping. And I think a lot of Vikings fans would be like, here we go again, not yeah. drafting guards. <laughs> and that would lead you to believe that they did something in free agency with a yes. guard, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Th this is my problem with, with that rationale and that idea that if you're having guys that are hitting free agency that either aren't getting tagged, you know, as offensive linemen, or, you know, what are you running into there? Are you going to run into another Josh Klein situation where the interior pass rush really wasn't that good when he was your second biggest free agent that year behind re-signing Anthony Barr? Like, you know, I wonder how they're going to handle that because I don't, I don't know too much about like the free agent guard market. I feel like I've been, you know, too focused on figuring out what they're going to do in the draft, especially with that 14th pick that that's, you know, if, if they end up going all defense, you've got to think that they addressed some sort of need in free agency and they did something to try mm -hmm. to improve 
their interior pass protection uh, with a guard. So here's how the uh, offensive line market for the guards works out. The best way I can describe it is Sam Ekstrom tried to put together a list of bargain free agents and his top bargain guard retired. So that's where we're at. It's a very bleak market from what I've seen so far this year. And I don't know, you know, that's why I feel like, if you're going to do this right, you probably are trying to find like a three technique in free agency. So you can use that 14th overall pick either on a quarterback or on an offensive lineman. Um, so the kids kind of slim pickings. I mean, if you can get somebody in the third round, I got Ben Cleveland at 90 out of Georgia, which I was, you know, I was pleased with that pick. I think that a third round guard, it's a perfect spot to, you're not overdrafting. That's a perfect spot to grab one, especially with how, the rest of my draft panned out where it was I hit a defensive need to pick the pick before I obviously hit like an offensive need with Cleveland but I also got a luxury pick I got best player available in Devontae Smith which mm-hmm. is why I was I was happy overall with that Hey, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics. And I really mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and they reached out wanting to support this show. And I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for perishable, non-perishable, and fragile freight from source to door. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they're the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They could ship perishable, non-perishable, oversized, or fragile goods, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk, overperform, and go the extra mile for your company. The one thing about anytime you're drafting past the first round, um, now I went best player available too with uh, Trayvon Mooring, but you're always you always have to be thinking down the road, and that's kind of where I was thinking. I yeah. and I think the same for you with a guard. That wouldn't mean place this guy right in, but if you're thinking about how can you have this young offensive line that grows together with Ben Cleveland, Ezra Cleveland, that would get weird. Um, Brian O'Neill, Garrett Bradbury, and then add somebody else. Then you're all kind of going along together, and your hope is that you have continuity there, which they have not had. It's always been new pieces every single year. And so I like that from a long-term perspective. And my thinking on a corner is the same way, where it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney might both work out, or what if one of them does not? That's where you need to have more projects that Mike Zimmer is working with. And I like Trey Brown um, because his highlight reel is pretty fun. So that's, I mean, that's a big part of it. But a playmaking corner is something they lacked. What did they have? Two interceptions by corners and both were Cam Dantzler last year. So playmaking corner, I think, is another part of this. All right. And, um, and the good thing is with corners this year, remember how like loaded the wide receiver group was in last year's draft where you know, at this time we're talking about Trey, uh, Tyler Johnson being a third round pick. Well, the guy doesn't go till the, the fifth, like um, because that group was so stacked that you had good players getting pushed further and further into day three. I think that from what I've seen and read, this is going to be a year where you can kind of do the same thing with a cornerback. I mean, sure, if you had a Patrick Sertain sitting there, would you do it potentially, um, you know, at 14? But this is the year where I think you can get away with more day three picks, uh, which they have seven of, I believe. Now they've got three fourth rounders, one from the Bears, one from the Bills uh, via the Diggs trade. They've got two fifth round selections, a sixth and a seventh. To me, you can grab two corners in there, three if you really want to, because like you said, coverage is king, and that's still going to be an area that even if Jeff Gladney and – Cam Dantzler and hell if Mike Hughes is healthy and comes back from the next thing great but like it's not going to be something that is super necessary early on but you are going to still want to fill out that position with depth if it's necessary that way okay let's do one more draft sim only here's the okay, here's yeah. the draft sim challenge uh right. is the Vikings have signed a very good guard 
And so they're set there, but they've spent a lot of money at it. And they've moved on from Riley Reef. And they also are dead set on drafting a quarterback with one of their first three picks. So there's your kind of challenge laid out. And we'll assume that they've made some other like low level signings that aren't huge difference makers in the draft. So just go going by those outlines, I have landed in a pretty good spot with my first round pick with Rashawn Slater is on the board. And I, and I think if that is the case that they were to draft or if they were to sign a tackle, I'm sorry, sign a guard, move on from Riley Reef, then a tackle becomes very, very high on the list. And they would probably draft Rashawn Slater at that point. So I'm just going to push draft on that one. Okay, so he's available for me too, but I'm also looking at this not necessarily thinking that my you know, my plan for, for quarterback is going to pan out considering I don't have a third, I don't have a second round pick right now. Right. Maybe so you're, th- you're thinking first round quarterback. I'm thinking Mac Jones. Oh, so he was the the 35th best player on the board, according to these rankings that I have in PFF. Um, I went ahead and I drafted him because, and and you might call that an overdraft. I I don't know, but at 14, you're kind of in no man's land because here's how the quarterbacks went off the board. Lawrence Wilson, top two, Mm -hmm. six, six to the Eagles was Justin Fields. And then Trey Lance was nine to the Denver Broncos. That's the top 10 right there. And unless Chicago is going to find somebody in free agency and sign them, I would fully anticipate that they would end up trying to trade into top 13, top 10, or even like maybe a top eight category. Um, Because you're not going to, there's just kind of this no man's land between where the Vikings are picking and like mid second round for quarterbacks. Right. So I, I, I decided to think about, you know, the future. And so I went with Mac Jones, who apparently is a terrible, terrible bootleg quarterback, but we'll, we'll, you know, there's ways around that. They'll they'll work around the boots. You can, you can get to be terrific in the boots uh, if you practice (laughs) it. So um, Kyle Trask is really kind of the guy who pops up, but he doesn't show up in the third. Um, in fact, I'm even in the third now looking around trying to find like, okay, who could potentially even be my quarterback pick and you have to go way down the list. So this makes things more difficult for me, but the guy that comes up here is Jamie Newman. And I don't think I'm going to take him with my first third round pick because he seems to be the one that is uh, on the board pretty late. So I'm actually going to go and stay with the offensive side here. And I'm going to pick Amon Ross St. Brown, a wide receiver out of USC, who's another guy that's kind of hanging around under the radar because there's so many star kind of wide receivers that this might be, I mean, Terry McLaurin was a third round pick. There are other guys. DK Metcalf was a late second. There are guys every year that everyone kind of sleeps on or just focuses on other positions. And then you go, wow, it's a really good wide receiver in the third round. I, I like that for the Vikings. Um, you know, we've talked about the first round potential, but the third round just seems to be a great place to get very good wide receiver talent. So that's what I went with here. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think it's smart. I think that you're still drafting for need, but it's also finding, you know, a best player available on the board at that point. So I like that. So you've already taken care of the quarterback. So what's next for you? I have to draft a quarterback here. Well, you, you mentioned with Riley Reese, like they, you said he's gone. So they recoup some cap, and they're they're gonna they signed a guard in free agency. So in my mind, you know, are they moving Ezra Cleveland the left tackle? Are they keeping him there? I don't mind taking a tackle here, just giving them the option. If you want to keep Cleveland at guard and not have to move him around again, then you could do a number of different things. So I went with James Hudson, a uh, tackle from Cincinnati. Good. Yeah. It's Good not it's a it's a decent pick. It's not my favorite. Um, but I think it's a value pick for where I'm getting him in the third round. And if they do end up moving on from Reef, I mean you can't just, you cannot mess around with that. So I think it's smart. Yeah, and he was a senior bowl guy that stood out and yep. I just wanted to circle back one more thought on Mac Jones that even if even if the ceiling for Mac Jones is not the same as Patrick Mahomes or something like that. There's always, and I know everyone's just going to be annoyed with me continuing to say that, but there's always the thing of having a guy develop for a year and then be on the rookie contract that just 
is good for you. And if it, if he's not good, you could trade him to someone else who will think he's good. I guarantee thousand percent. someone's going to pay for Sam Darnold who has been nothing but terrible because that, you know, someone paid for Josh Rosen. So you can always recoup that eventually down the road. There's, there's nothing wrong with drafting a first round quarterback. Like you will always have the benefit of the fifth year option. And if he pans out, that's going to be good. And, I mean, if he's Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to make him play on his fifth-year option. Right. You'll end up giving him that massive contract uh, extension before he gets there. But either way, no harm, no foul, unless the guy is a complete and utter bust, which, you know, it happens. But I still think it's a it's a better – It's a, if you're talking about risk in, in you know, cost-benefit analysis, I think it is the smartest play because, you know, if you're, if you're really looking to get out from Kirk Cousins at some point, and some point soon, that means that you're not extending him and trying to get this. You're just keep kicking the cap number down the road. Um, give him, give this guy two years. If you're not ready to turn the reins of the offense over to him at that point, then at least you have good draft capital because somebody's going to be willing to take him at some point. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I also think that you, you can offer a really good situation for somebody like that right away. And we saw from the Packers that you can still draft someone in the first round and it doesn't like destroy your entire roster because oftentimes your first round picks are only giving you so much in terms of value in their very first year. So it's, it's a really interesting situation that if they were to get to that spot and Mac Jones is there, like, do you do it? Um, I guess that would depend on their evaluation of Mac Jones. So I went third round. I, instead of going with Jamie Newman, uh, who I do like for a high upside quarterback, I went Kellen Mond, who was good in the senior bowl. He's sure. got a really good arm. Looks like he needs a couple of years of development. Um, probably not like looking at a superstar type of starter, but if that is your goal is to absolutely draft a quarterback and you don't take one in the first round, Kellen Mond is a guy who would be interesting because of his arm talent. Yeah, so that, that's the no, way I, I think so too. I, I agree with that. I think you got your need. You got a quarterback who you're just bringing into the system to learn the offense, to learn, you know, to be Kirk's understudy, to have in the wing should it work out that you are moving on from Cousins eventually. Um, and if you can get that guy at day three, somebody who played in the SEC, uh, you know, had a good season this year, why not? So who's your last uh, third-round pick? So I'm actually kind of proud of this one. I want to take a moment to uh, congratulate myself okay. on taking Cam- Cameron, Sample, Cameron Sample uh, from Tulane. He's listed as an edge rusher, but he's somebody who probably projects more inside. He's 6'3", 280, so he's not huge. But this is somebody who has inside-outside positional flexibility, which I think is huge if you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out where do you play this guy immediately, where can he actually help out and contribute immediately. He was available to me at 90 because right around that time, you're seeing a lot of cornerbacks go off the board, some linebackers. Um, it seems like that's a pretty heavy position group for the third round. But I, I, you know, I'm very pleased with this pick. I mean, I think he is by, by many stretches, probably one of the better value ones that you would get at the edge rusher position in the third round. Yeah. I think the third round just seems like all these edge rushers are going to be there the way it's played out, that there's a lot of guys with high ceilings and there are so many of them that you can't pick them all in the first and second. And that's where the Vikings could swoop in and get a very good prospect in that situation. So uh, I like it. I think you nailed both of your draft Sims. Mine, I think would get questioned by some people for sure. If that all defense one for sure. Yeah. And also if you don't draft the quarterback in the first, you're probably looking at, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be worth it at all to take anyone past the first. So this was a nice little break from Kirk Cousins trade rumor conversation And uh, I enjoyed it. And we can do it again many, many times, Courtney. So thank you for your time. Hey, everyone. We're in the full swing of winter now, and Soda Stick has you covered. If you're a hockey fan, check out the North State Icon shirts or the Mick Golden Light snowmobile designs. All of these, along with great football designs like the Skull Hats, football state beanies and hoodies, and my favorite, the Metrodome gear. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. Just go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping.
All right, let's welcome into the show for Pro Football Focus, the cap genius, Brad Spielberger. What's up, Brad? Doing well. Genius, very kind of you to say. That's, that's a uh, quite a lofty adjective to start us out with. Well, I think that you're going to sound like one after I tell you about my experience trying to get the Vikings to sign a big-time free agent. So I went to OverTheCap.com, and I started playing around with the cap calculator. And this is like you get to play Rob Brzezinski. You get to play Vikings cap guy. And so I started out with the idea, can I get Brandon Scherf, Sheriff, Shref, whatever you want to call him, to the Vikings for lots of money? How can I do this? So I started throwing in bonuses, and I started throwing in base salary. And then when I looked up at how much cap space I had, it was at negative $20 million. And I just, want, I just want to start there with you, Brad, because you are familiar with the Viking cap situation. Not great. And I, what, what would you do from there? Because like, I think um, that if you're talking about signing Brand Sheriff, like a big right guard who is going to demand a lot of money, I think interior offensive linemen are getting more and more money each year, especially since there's only two guys that are worth anything in this particular um, – or that are going to get paid a lot of money in this particular free agent group. Where would I have to go from there if I was trying to make that happen? Yeah, so first, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Brandon Sheriff and, and Joe Thune, I think, are probably going to become the highest paid left guard and right guard, um, you know, in the NFL this, this upcoming offseason. Um, not only just because they're, you know, uh, besides them, it's a, it's a really thin group at guard, um, but also just because those positions, as you mentioned, we're kind of seeing the, the value of interior pressure. And obviously, you know, the counter to that is the value in having a, you know, good pass blocking, but also a solid road grader, you know, uh, run blocking guard. So, um, I think those guys are both going to hit, you know, probably 3, 14, 14 and a half and, and share for about 15 million per year. I'm not sure what, uh, what you were cooking the books, what you were giving them when you were trying to make things work. But yeah, the Vikings are going to have a tough time um, kind of adding a priority free agent. Um, if they wanted to do that, they would have to probably extend the Neil Hunter just, just to, you know, in part, just to lower that cap hit, um, probably look to restructure Anthony Barr. Um, probably cut Riley Reef and, and slide Ezra Cleveland back over to left tackle um, and, and really just make a, a series of moves, maybe extend Harrison Smith and, and let Anthony Harris walk. Um, you restructure Adam Thielen. I'm kind of just rattling off moves now. But really, if you go ahead and look at their, their cap sheet, um, one more, you know, maybe cut Kyle Rudolph or trade him for a, you know, a late-round flyer. Um, really, every move that you look and think they might need to make, if they do want to make a big splash in free agency, they, they have to go ahead and make it. Right. They'd have a, that's what I had to do in order to get under the cap was I had to make every single one of the moves that you laid out there. I'm cutting kickers and stuff. I mean, I, I had everything going on and I'm still just barely under it when I tried to sign other positions that they just have to have probably in free agency because they don't have enough draft capital or developmental players at those positions. So I was signing, you know, Mike Boone to his RFA original round tender for like, I don't know, two million bucks. And I was bringing in Brashad Perriman for probably less than he's worth, um, but just picking kind of a later wide receiver, which they've tried to do and have not succeeded with. I mean, this is where it gets tricky. And I just, I want to have your opinion though on team building in general, because it has been my opinion that as exciting as it would be to get a big free agent, and maybe if it's Sheriff, it's a, a huge impact in your wins above replacement because Cousins allows a lot of interior pressure just based on how he plays. But the idea of spreading out what little cap space you have to multiple players that are bargains versus getting one big player, I wonder what your thought on those different philosophies is. Yeah, so, you know, I think there's always context to every move, um, but I, or every roster as well. So, you know, if you're no roster is a piece away, and I know, you know, sometimes we poke fun at Vikings fans thinking they're, they're one guard away. There's never been a team in the history of the NFL, and there never will be a team in the history of the NFL or the, that is one guard away. That's not a thing. But, um, but, yeah, so sometimes, yeah, a big splash play, especially on the offensive line, if you have a weak link and, and for the most part the rest of the line is solid, and you add a, a plus player there, it can then kind of rise all tides and make that line a positive as opposed to a negative, and that can obviously have, you know, massive benefits. Um, but in general, uh, my philosophy for, for constructing a roster is you draft your guys, you draft and develop, you save big, big contracts for your own players, and you use free agency to supplement spots and bring in mid-tier guys, stuff like that, 
you know, one example of this past season where it worked, you know, masterfully would be, you know, the Buffalo Bills. Um, you look at, uh, you know, Daryl Williams at right tackle, minimum signing, obviously, you know, coming off injury there, different situation, but massive benefit to that move. You know, his surplus value is huge. You look at, you know, Cole Beasley, John Brown, like their additions were all kind of mid-tier, um, and then they're now going to spend the big money on, you know, or trade for a Stephon Diggs, but spend the big money on their own guys. So in general, that's the philosophy you try to follow. Um, you know, those big signings often turn out to, you know, it's hard for a player to live up to a big signing like that. Um, but, yeah, but, no, sometimes, of course, it's necessary. Or, or if you know a guy is interested in playing for you, and, you know, that's not always the case every free agency that a marquee guy wants to be a Minnesota Viking or, or whatever team, um, and sometimes it's, it's worth it to make that move. There's also a, a funny sort of um, interpersonal element to this conversation with bringing in the one big guy, which is the Vikings tried to do this last year with the Yannick Gakwe trade, and he was very expensive. Like, that's a thing that we – maybe overlook when we're talking about that is not only did he cost you a second round pick, but he cost you a lot of cap space at that time when there were still other free agents on the market. Maybe even someone like Daryl Williams was still there at that time that you could have filled other spots. And so inside the locker room, it's, well, this guy better be the guy that takes us over the hump because Riley Reef had to take a pay cut. And now you're circling back to Riley Reef saying, hey, would you want to stay for a contract extension? And I wouldn't be shocked if Riley Reef says, only if it includes all the money you took from me last year, right? I think he would be fair in that. But I did want to ask you about uh, Riley Reef and Kyle Rudolph because there's a couple of moves that we sort of just assume are going to happen. And the Riley Reef one is, I mean, I, I, I don't want to call it a foregone conclusion, but I just have a tough time seeing them being able to use any money in free agency without him. He's like the swing guy. You could create a bunch of space with him, maybe like $11 million. And then everyone else is sort of, yeah, if you cut the kicker, you get a million bucks or something. But everyone else is, hey, if you restructure, then your owner has to pay a bunch of that actual cash out of his pocket. There's like the repercussions. But it's it's a hard one for me, Brad, because – He's good and he's played well, but he's also in his 30s. And I just think that this is one of the the sort of classic tough situations that a team like the Vikings gets into when they're paying a quarterback a lot of money. Yeah, I'm completely with you. It, it is one of those tough decisions where, like, there's no easy outcome. He's right on the cusp of, like, he is still playing at a high level, is a, is a, is a positive, you know, on that offensive line that doesn't have a ton of positives. Um, so it, it, it makes it a difficult decision. Um, and I know you said it, you know, looks like a foregone conclusion. Obviously, teams do do this with frequency, but I think them giving him that, that incentive that he barely missed, um, blanking on what, what exactly triggered the incentive, you, you might know. But, you know, I think he missed the snap count or something like that by, like, a couple right. snaps. Yep, that's right. And, and they still gave him the $1 million. So, you know, a, kind of a gesture of good faith after, you know, I'm not going to call it bad faith what they did with the pay cut, but, you know, after a tough decision last offseason, they obviously said, look, we still – appreciate your contributions, your value to this team, both in the locker room and on the field, stuff like that. Um, and, and, and honestly, you know, I'm sure they were excited and happy to be able to give him that incentive, um, even though he just missed out. So, but I do agree with you. It, it's kind of the linchpin that kind of points the directions of the fork in the road for the offseason of kind of, if we do move on from him and get that $11 million in savings, trust Ezra Cleveland to be our starting left tackle as we plan drafting him in the second last year, it opens a lot of things up. Um, and then lastly, you mentioned, I think it's a very important point that I think folks do not either don't, don't really take into consideration or just don't know is that, yes, restructures are great. Yes, there's no increase in money. But, yes, the owner is giving a signing bonus and, and large chunks, millions of dollars of cash right up front or if not right up front, you know, in a very short period of time. So I think folks are starting to take those for granted a bit this offseason. I mean, every team's going to do a handful of them just by necessity. But, yeah, I mean, you still have to go to the owner and say, hey, can you cut a check for X amount of dollars, um, which I'm sure is not always the easiest conversation to have. Right, especially when you're asking in the Vikings case if you want to make something like this happen without cutting reef, you're probably asking for quite a few of those checks because there are multiple players. And, and sometimes it's written into their contracts that the team can do it whenever they want. Sometimes you have to get the player's approval. And usually the player's like, I will accept your money. Sure. That's fine. Like it's, I get it either way. Okay. I'll take it. But um, then it has repercussions, not only for the owner, but down the road. I mean, it's, 
it is an answer, but it's only an answer you could do so many times. I think of the same in the same vein as the June first cut that uh, Kyle Rudolph is talked about as a June first cut because I I believe his cap hit is a, a quite a bit different in terms of dead money from June first. You can correct me if you have it uh, right in front of you, but he's the guy that gets talked about as as a June first cut. Maybe you can kind of explain just like what that is. And why we don't see it very often, because there are numerous players that if you use over the cap.com and you fiddle around with it and you go, oh, you just cut them June 1st. But the way I look at it as you didn't need your money after June 1st, you needed your money now <laughs> to, to be able to buy what you needed to buy on the free agent market. But I suppose it could be helpful if you were talking about signing your draft class. So exactly right. So you nailed a couple points there. So, so he is a guy that his post-June 1 versus regular does stand out a bit in terms of the cap space cleared up. All that it does with a post-June 1 is when you traditionally cut a guy, all of his prorated bonus money, will, you know, signing bonus, option bonus, whatever, will accelerate up to the current year. So, you know, Rudolph has about, it looks like $4.35 million in total prorated bo- bonus money remaining. When you do a post-June 1 cut, the only amount that hits – 2021 is just the portion that's set for 2021 the rest will hit 2022 so you know if you do a regular cut with him you save about five million if you do a post-june one cut it's yeah i think it's like eight million so there's a substantial difference there so but the second point you mentioned is huge and is very crucial you don't get the cap relief until june 2nd so like you said when you need cap space and you need money to operate to, to, to sign free agents because, of course, you have to be cap compliant at all times, that money is not available to you. It is, it, you know, you obviously have a placeholder for it. You know it's coming. Um, and a big, a big, you know, often what they do is, is they kind of say, all right, this is for our draft class, so our rookies will be signed with this, just like you said. Um, but the final piece, too, is you can cut as many guys as you like after the actual date of June 1st. You're only allowed to designate – two guys per offseason as June 1st designated cuts where you cut them on, you know, in March, but then they have the June 1st designation um, and come off the books, you know, at that date, but they're allowed to sign elsewhere, um, you know, starting the beginning of free agency. So that's also, you know, people say, yeah, we'll designate these 10 guys as June 1st cuts. Well, no, you cannot do that. Right, right, right. And the other thing too, you mentioned, sounds like you're also kicking some money down the road. Is that right? Right, so you'll have more dead money waiting in the next year. So it doesn't disappear. It just helps with short-term relief, but that that dead money is still waiting, you know, in the following season. Right, there is no magic potion to this, and I'm sure you get frustrated too when you hear it. But when people say the cap is a myth, I don't know if I've mentioned on the show. Maybe I've mentioned it to you, just us chatting. But like, I asked the Vikings cap guy about that once, and he laughed at me. He's just like. We can't, we can't be saying that because the bill's going to come eventually. And the bill came last year. And guess what? You didn't pay off the entire bill last year. You still got some of those problems for this year. And you will have more of those problems next year if that's what you do with everything. So, again, it kind of circles back to the beginning where, yes, you can mess around and mess around and mess around. But eventually – um, you've seen the uh, F around and, fi- and then find out. You've seen that kind of meme. Like, if you keep messing around, you will find out eventually that this is not, like, um, a myth. It's not something that you can just cruise over. Now, uh, let's talk about, before we get to the whole Cousins trade scenario type of thing, just extensions in, in general. I feel like it falls under the same category of what we were just saying, where if you want to extend some guys like Harrison Smith, that's great. The Daniil Hunter situation is really wonky, but maybe there's a reworking of his contract that even results in a lower cap hit right now, maybe possibly. But it all circles back to the same answer is if you do this, eventually their cap hits will be higher and eventually it will come to get you. So I just I wonder how much of all of this the Vikings should be doing. They did do it like crazy in 2017, 2018, 2019 in their winning window. But I think this year they might want to be more cautious with this stuff. I think it's very reasonable. Um, you know, first of all, I'll split them into, into two categories because they, they kind of fit in good buckets. So Harrison Smith, obviously, it's the last year of his contract. And, look, he's a, still a phenomenal player, but 31 now, I want to say, at safety, which is, it's frankly, old. Um, and so with him, you definitely would get major cap relief in the first year. I think he has a $9.8 million base salary, um, so, you know, probably has a cap hit around $10 million plus for 2021. You could drop that way down and give him the minimum $1.075 million base salary, 
and kind of from a cash perspective, he'd make up for that with bonuses and stuff like that. So his situations were, yes, you're, you're going to take on more dead money because you're going to give him a bonus and all that, and you're going to extend him out, you know, say three more years, and the odds he's playing at 35 are not very high. So for that one, 100%, you're, you're basically – you're already making that exchange. I'm, I'm trading current year cap flexibility knowing that I'm going to make things more complicated down the road. Hunter's a bit different. So the best example, if you wanted to look at Daniel Hunter, would be DeAndre Hopkins' pass off season, where he had three years remaining on his deal and still wanted new money, wanted upfront money. Um, and, and so what the Cardinals were able to do there is – even though they gave him a, a nice big bonus, $27.5 million signing bonus, all of that, they were able to reduce his first-year cap hit by a, a good chunk. Um, and then they just kept his second- and third-year cap hits almost identical to what he was going to make in Houston. The difference being, and, and how you kind of sell the player on it, or kind of make him happy, I guess, is that those, those mon- that money is guaranteed. So Hunter does not have a lot of salary guarantees left in his, in his deal. So you wouldn't have to raise those numbers – you just would probably go ahead and guarantee fully his salary in 2022 and probably 2023. So, um, or yeah, maybe half of 2023, whatever. So, yeah. So one of those is the, is the major risk of you're just basically just trading cap space now for not cap space later. The other is more of just a, you know, it's more cash. You're, you're paying the guy a lot. He still has a lot of years in his deal left. The Vikings also do care a lot about precedent and stuff like that. So you're also kind of signaling to guys, yeah, you can – you know, be frustrated, and even with three years left on your deal, you know, you still can come to the table and say, I'm going to hold out or whatever if you don't pay me. And, look, that's why DeAndre Hopkins got traded, frankly. You know, there's other reasons, but that was the main catalyst for that deal happening. So those are kind of the two buckets those two moves would fall in. Well, anytime you could get David Johnson is that you have to make that move. That's that's what it was really about. No, that's a great explainer on Daniel Hunter, and I think that's what happens because your point is valid about other players coming to them and saying, yo, I know I signed a contract, but – but how often is that going to happen with someone of this caliber? You don't have too many players. The Vikings have maybe three or four players that are in the upper echelon of their uh, positions. You have Eric Hendricks, Delvin Cook, who's already got his contract, Justin Jefferson, who's a ways away from that, Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith, who is you know on the older side. But if you're guaranteeing salary to Daniil Hunter, as long as your doctors take a little peek at that neck and say, well, it looks like it should be fine. It's all fused back together. As long as that's the case, I mean, this guy is 26 years old. I mean, he's going to be good for another – I mean, he could be good for another eight years. So, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it would not um, probably go over well with Mike Zimmer to trade his best edge rusher after a year where they couldn't pressure the quarterback. All right, um, we've waited long enough. Let's do it. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the Kirk Cousins trade scenarios and what that would mean to the salary cap. My best understanding is that they, and just to correct me if I'm wrong, is they would still have to pay $20 million on the cap for this year if they did not work out a new deal. And then whatever they were trading for what, or whatever they were paying for whatever quarterback they're trading for and so forth. But the benefit to trading Kirk Cousins is that you do not have to get to that point where his salary becomes guaranteed for 2022. And that is the big benefit and why we're really having this conversation because on the third day of the league year, that contract gets guaranteed, meaning that man gets his cash no matter what. And that is a situation ripe for an extension. So if you're thinking we don't really want to extend him again, then you have to trade him at some point. Fill in the gaps there for me, Brett. Yeah, of course. So as you said, you know, top level, most important point is that, you know, $20 million is, is dead money no matter what you do. Um, that's the remaining prorated money on this deal, um, $10 million in each of the next two seasons. So like you said, if you, if you go ahead and trade him for another quarterback, you can kind of say, all right, we're paying that guy X plus $20 million, you know, left behind for Kirk. But obviously, you know, he's a $31 million cap hit. So, you know, maybe you don't increase that number too much if you, if you bring someone back in, in return. Um, but, yeah, so that, 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 that third day of the league year date is important, more so for a cut, um, because when you do trade a guy, obviously the, the, the acquiring team would take on his salary. But I think, like you said, it's very important. Once that, money, once that money locks in and is guaranteed, you're either extending him and trying to smooth that out over a number of years. Like, you're not getting rid of Kirk Cousins. He, like, as soon as that happens, 2021 and 2022 – you're either playing him or trading him. There's no cutting of Kirk Cousins happening. So 
Um, that is, you know, an important date and kind of a trigger date for this contract. Um, but, you know, that, that's obviously been his MO and his focus is on that guaranteed money. And frankly, he's been masterful in, in his leveraging um, and understanding how he can always maintain maximum leverage. Um, obviously, that a lot of that was afforded to him before he became a Viking um, because there's no threat of a third franchise tag with Kirk Cousins. Um, and so that's kind of, a, you know, a blessing for him as well. Like it, teams cannot hold that over him uh, because it would be a gigantic number, obviously. Um, because that transfers. So if people didn't know, so first tag, the second tag is 120% of, of the, the previous one. And the third one is 144% or you get, you know, it, regardless, it's massive. So it's not, you know, um, and we've heard that conversation with Dak Prescott as well. Like as soon as this tag comes down, Dallas has to extend him. Or if they, if they let him play on this tag, he's not going to be a Dallas Cowboy in 2022 because he's not going to sign with them and they can't tag him. So, yeah, anyways, back to Kirk. Um yeah, as soon as that day happens, it's it's either trade or play. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to, to, to find a solution there. I know there's been, you know, th- swing, things swirling in the wind. But at this point, I, I don't know, you know, how much credibility there is to that. Um, I think that, you know, they're, they're frankly in a tough spot, um, and they know that. And, and they know that a restart, like you said, might be the, the best route for them or might be the, the cleanest route for them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's why his structure was so important to him um, and was so smart for, from his representation and him um, because he has he's holding all the cards. I have a very good accountant, but if I didn't, I would call up Kirk Cousins' agent be like, help, do do what you can. Um, the guy's, I mean, he is the best of the best. And the, the handling of Kirk Cousins' contracts from when he was in D.C. betting on himself until now has been, from a player perspective, uh, like you said, masterful is the right word. Um, but that puts the Vikings in a situation where they have to decide, do you want this guy to be your quarterback for another five years or something? Because that's the only way to handle it if you're not going to trade him. But last thing for you on, on this matter. What do you think the contract means to his trade value? Because I I need your opinion on this. I have not been able to figure this out. Because you look at Jared Goff, and part of the other first-round pick going back to Detroit is that Jared Goff does not have a very good contract. Kirk Cousins has very good numbers and overall good performances. I mean, top 10 by PFF and good quarterback rating, yards per attempt, all those things since he's been in Minnesota. So you have the player – there's somewhat of the reputation of not being able to get teams over the top that plays into this a little, the how teams evaluate him from a scouting perspective, because I don't think they look at quarterback rating as much as media does, as much as what does our coaching staff think of how good this player is. So you have all these things factoring in, but just take the contract part of it. Does that mean the Vikings, in your opinion, would have to include a pick for someone to take him or do you think that someone else is trading draft picks because he's talented and maybe they're desperate? So I, I would say uh, on a philosophical level, I, I think the thing we're seeing this off season that's going to continue to go forward is there's always been this mantra of you can't win with a high priced quarterback. And I've always pushed back on that because I don't believe it's true, but I do think Kirk Cousins is a perfect example of where he is a good player. He's, you know, he's been graded by PFF top 10, you know, and, and every other metric you want to look at, he's consistently a, a good player. But is he a guy that can win in spite of the things around him? Is he a guy that lifts things around him, you know, above what they were going to be? Like, frankly, no. Like, he is – if everything is right around him, he will deliver. He will make – he can make every throw. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good quarterback. But I, And I think what we're seeing is that teams are no longer of the belief, and they used to be, that – if we have everything in place, all we need is an average quarterback, and then we can win. And that may have been the case, you know, in the Eli Manning years and in the past, but it's just not the case anymore. And if you look at the last four quarterbacks this year, I mean, Brady Mahomes, Allen, and Aaron Rodgers, those guys elevate everything around them. Those guys, when conditions are terrible, I mean, we saw Mahomes run like his chicken with his head cut off the whole Super Bowl and had the best losing performance I've ever seen in my entire life. But, like, that's now what teams realize is, if you're going to pay this much for a quarterback, it needs to be a guy like that. If a guy that can make, you know, just something out of nothing. And so, again, Kirk, I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve this contract. I'm not going to say it's a bad contract or way above his market. But it's one where, yes, when a team is going to go take that contract on, then I think it will be justified to say it's going to be hard to build a competitive roster around this big quarterback contract 
because this quarterback is kind of in that second tier of quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still don't think he would be a salary dump where you'd have to throw in a pick as well. Um, I still think a team – no, but, but again, like I think folks may be shocked at what the compensation package would be. Um, I don't think it would be multiple first-round picks um, just because, look, $35 million that will be fully guaranteed in 2022. So even if a team, you know, wants to maneuver that and move that down the line, that money can – you know, he, for, to him that money is, is stamped and, and, and printed in. So you already have that built in, and then you have to extend him on top of that. Um, and he's not going to view the 35 – you know, basically he's going to say, whatever you give me, you're just giving me that on top of the $35 million. So that's kind of the component of this, is you're still going to have to find a way to have a competitive roster with a top-paid quarterback, but that top-paid quarterback isn't a guy that, that makes everything work around him. It's a guy that, in a good setting, can, can get the job done. Um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, it's tough off the top of my head to kind of, like, guess, a, you know, a trade package for him. With quarterbacks, it's a lot about – you know, the suitors involved, if there are multiple suitors involved, stuff like that. Um, but, no, it definitely would not be a salary dump like we saw with Jared Goff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd get a first and change, um, whereas a couple of years ago that might, that might sound crazy and say, no, he's going to get, like, two first plus. Look, he's a top, you know, top half of the league quarterback. He's still only 33, which isn't that old, stuff like that. I now think we're seeing a shift where it's like, no, he would get a first because hey, it's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, that, I mean, it's always – you know, market rate is at least a first, but, um, but yeah, you know, his contract's not affording you any, any surplus value. It's not giving you any benefit. Um, you're getting him at a market rate. So you're going to, you're not going to pay much, you know, on top of that. Um, that's kind of the beauty with like a Watson, things like that is, yeah, I mean, yeah, he just signed a big extension for 39 million per year, but he's 25 years old in two years, that's going to be a discount deal. Um, you're, you're not getting a discount at any point contractually with Kirk Cousins. You know, the irony of the Kirk Cousins situation is that there is a very rare situation in which you would want Kirk Cousins. And that's exactly what the Vikings had in 2018, which is where it truly appeared that the final piece was just an upgrade at quarterback and you'll be right back in the NFC championship or the Super Bowl. It just didn't work out that way because that's the NFL for you is you often get your one shot unless you have Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, you get your one shot and then you fall back and then you hope for another shot later. There's a reason why the Vikings keep every you know nine or 10 years going to the NFC championship because that's how the league is designed for all the stuff we just talked about, the salary cap and everything else. And so it's fascinating that, you know, here they are now not in a situation where you would necessarily want this expensive quarterback, but they just were. And uh, so I guess if you're making the argument for what to do, if you can't get that trade suitor, and also, I mean, you need to have an answer who your quarterback is because it's not like your roster is trash. You need to still win with this roster and good players. It really is, and this might drive some people nuts, but extending him actually makes some sense it really does because not only do you get that cap space to work with again but you also um have quarterback stability that very few teams in the nfc have right now and that and i'm sure there are some people who say yeah that's right and some people who are tearing every hair on their head out but just don't be shocked i guess is what i say don't be shocked if they extend kirk cousins I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the position is that, it, you know, if you approach that guy looking for flexibility, um, that's also, I think, again, the genius of him signing these shorter deals as well is that, you know, 99% of NFL contracts for veterans now have what's called automatic conversion rights where the team is allowed to unilaterally restructure and convert, you know, salary money into bonus money and push it down the line. So, um, you know, that's probably in his contract as well, if I had to guess, but you're not getting much relief because he only has two years left on the deal. And so that's, again, a smart, you know, a smart component and aspect of his deal. So I wouldn't be surprised either um, if they extend him. This isn't somewhere they've gone yet, and a lot of teams kind of view it as like a taboo thing to do. Um, and that would be void years where you're just adding on kind of dummy contract years on the end of it. Um, so you're only extending him for maybe two more years, but you're adding, you know, four on for cap relief. And I would guess that they would try to avoid that by any means necessary. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that at this point, if you're if you're resigned to the fact that you're probably not going to trade them, you do have a good roster that you just look. You just added a superstar wide receiver to that roster. Like you have reason to believe that you know, all right, Irv's going to take the next step, and maybe Kyle's going to get phased out. But you have pieces in place on both sides of the ball. 
Hunter's going to come back, like we said, still somehow is 26 years old, which every time I see, I like, like my eyes cross. <laughs> Crazy. Um, like, there's reason to be optimistic about the short-term future of this team um, the next, you know, three, four years. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I guess the counter to that would just be like, try to flush the system and try to just start over. But the risk, like you said, quarterback stability is so valuable. And the risk there is you, you, you take a bust or something like that, and then you, you know, waste, you know, kind of all that you have. And then, you know, what's the difference between, you know, from a fan perspective, why not try to make it with an average quarterback as opposed to taking that big gamble and that big risk? You know, we advocate for stuff like that, and we think teams should try to be risky like that. But it's a tough sell to ownership and a tough sell to, I mean, frankly, front offices that are trying to keep their jobs for extended periods of time. What a world we live in, Brad, with this salary cap. I hope they never change it. I, I mean, it just offers, while well, you uh, mastering it is a big deal um, for your career, but also just it makes things so interesting. And uh, give me one just quick take before we wrap up on what free agency looks like with the extreme haves and have-nots for cap space. I was thinking about this in terms of like, oh, uh, hello, team, without an expensive quarterback. You get to come back to the VIP free agent room, and you can look at your Carl Lawson over here and your, you know, your Allen Robinson over here. We've got one of those. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. You have to stay out there, and uh, you can buy Dumb and Dumber out of the bargain bin over there. Like that's – those are your – you know, it's amazing. I think when you look at the who's got cap space, who doesn't, it's like have or have not, and there's almost nobody in the middle. For sure. No, 100%. And, and I think – um, what will be interesting to see is that, so yeah, so your usual suspects, those top teams that have a ton of cap space, you know, Jaguars and Jets, they're going to spend like crazy as, as they always do um, and inevitably regret in, you know, 18 months. But um, maybe not as much. They obviously have some turnover in those front offices. But yeah, so you're still going to see the top spenders kind of, you know, treat it like normal. What I think will be different and will be interesting is th- this idea of some super teams forming where – some of those mid-tier free agents look at it and say, look, okay, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm T.Y. Hilton. I want to get three years, $30 million. I think I'm worth that. You know, I think I can get that on the market. And all you're hearing is, yeah, we'll give you three years, $21 million for $7 million per year. We just can't make it work. We just don't have the cash budget. We don't have the cash space, whatever. And he says, whatever, I'm just going to sign with the Buccaneers for one year, $5 million. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to, you know, sign with the Cowboys if they get Dak under contract. You know, insert team here where you say – I'm just going to go for exposure because I know this team has a good quarterback. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs. And I think that I'll be seen on national television six times this year and stuff like that. Um, good coaching staff, you know, you know, stability, all those things. And I think, it, frankly, it, it, it's very possible that we see some of that where, like you said, there's not really a middle. And so I think those middle teams that have like a little bit of cap space and not a lot aren't really going to be as competitive, you know, as we think compared to the teams that are kind of in like, the, you know, okay, so let's say – you know, the Cardinals are like 12 million, 12, million, 12 million in space, and the Vikings have negative 10. So, like, those are the kind of the two, like, opposite ends of the middle. Um, I don't think there's that much of a difference between those two teams because there's teams that have 80 million in space like the Jaguars, um, and there's teams that have negative 70 like the Saints. And, and I think, yeah, like, I, I agree with you. The middle of the road is kind of, you know, a hodgepodge. And, you know, why wouldn't those guys just instead sign with, you know, a, a competitor that they can just – you know, take a one-year flyer and then hit free agency again the following offseason. Right. Pull the Sheldon Richardson like you did with the Vikings. I'm going to come here. I'm going to rush that passer. If they run in my gap, who cares? I'm trying to sack that guy, and I'm trying to make my next contract, and it worked for him. So, um, yeah. Anyway, Brad, amazing stuff, man. I mean, it's what I love about talking with you every so often is just it's totally um, – fresh from what we're all trying to guess in the dark of how the cap works. And I think my brain grows every time we talk because you have so much knowledge. So I really appreciate it. People should follow you on Twitter. Uh, at, you're at, you're one of those people. Now you're at PFF underscore Brad. That means you're the real deal. Uh, so no, great, great stuff, man. It's always great to catch up. And I think that um, people are going to have to go back and re-listen to catch all of how everything in the entire salary cap works, which is what we covered here. Well, thank you so much. You're far too kind. I appreciate it. I'm always happy to come on the show. Um, you're gracious with bringing me on multiple times and pretending I'm a genius. It's very kind of you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, follow me on Twitter and, and shoot me questions. I obviously talk a lot of Vikings, uh, kind of NFC North focus. So, And uh, free agency is coming up, obviously, right around the corner here. Uh, some franchise tag decisions should, should be coming soon. So it's kind of it's my regular season at this point.